Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. If I haven't greeted you earlier, I also want to welcome you. Uh, this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. I guess Easter is probably my favorite Sunday of the year. <laughs> this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year because I get to talk about one of my favorite things. So, life is better. Life is better. How would you end that? How would you end that statement? End that sentence. Life is better when I'm on vacation. Uh, life is better when the kids are in school. Uh, life is better when I'm getting along with my significant others, spouse, parents, children, whatever. Life is better in retirement. I don't know. Uh, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, how would you answer that? Life is better when I'm feeling good. Life is better when I have a new toy to play with. Uh, when is life is better? Well, we're going to talk about life is better connected. Now, some of those things you don't have choices about. Sometimes it's about your health, other relationships, etc. But this life is better. You get to decide. It's a choice you and I get to make. A choice to make life better. And if I say, you want to make your life better? Everybody would say yes. But this is a choice. And of course, it comes with decisions, commitments, etc. So let's start off with this way. We want, as a church, we want to build a community of Jesus followers. And that's the term we use most often for somebody that's you might call a Christian. We like the term Jesus follower. Who is in community and creating community. So you're not only in it, but you're contributing to it. <clears throat> so if you're not a Jesus follower, we're, we're, we're delighted that you're here this morning. But if you are... Um, we as a group are trying to figure out how to do that, what that looks like, what that means, uh, etc. And so what we do on Sunday morning for this hour is just the tip of the iceberg of that. Now, unfortunately, in North America, when you say church, this is what people think of. This hour we call hour of corporate worship, joint worship. But that's not really church. And if you go back through history, especially in the early church, that wasn't what described church. Community is what describe church. So we also say it this way often, circles are better than rows. We sit in rows in here. We sit shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. And we're saying face to face is better than shoulder to shoulder because things happen face to face that just don't happen shoulder to shoulder. Um, Different reasons, many reasons. We talked about one this time last year. I want to talk about a biggie this year. Why circles are better than rows. Why face-to-face is better than shoulder-to-shoulder. One of the big, big benefits if you're a Jesus follower. But as I was talking to somebody between services, uh, this is a benefit even if you're not a Jesus follower. So uh, if you're not, uh, I think this can be helpful for you. So here, here it is. We drift. (laughs) <laughs> as Jesus followers, we drift from following Jesus. All right? We drift over here, we drift over there. But this, this affects all aspects of life. We drift. Uh, we drift if it's good for us, we drift from it. Okay? Uh, nobody drifts into a, a better diet. Nobody drifts in a better, into a better exercise program. Nobody drifts into a, a better relationship. Nobody drifts into uh, keeping their budget better. Those things 
are good for us, but we don't drift into those things. We drift away from those things. That's why you've been on more than one diet or exercise plan in your life, right? Because you drifted out of it. You drifted away from it. <clears throat> so, especially to have healthy relationships. If you don't invest in your relationships, they drift. We drift apart. Um, same is true of your relationship with God. We drift away from it if we don't put in time and effort. Uh, gravity <laughs> pushes us which way? Pushes us down, right? That's why as we get older, we get shorter. <laughs> um, now, gravity is a good thing. Keeps us from flying off, the, or keeps the air from flying off the planet. I was corrected at first service by our physics professor. <laughs> keeps the air from flying off. Um, so we can breathe. We can. But Anything we do, we have to exert energy to get up and to move because of gravity. The same is true of all aspects of life, especially relationships. So the current of life rarely takes us in the right direction. It always takes us downstream, unless that's the direction you want to go. It's rarely the right direction. <clears throat> so the good things in life tend to be upstream. So you have to exert energy. You have to work at it, <clears throat> whether it's financially, relationally, health issues, uh, school. <laughs> you can't just show up. You have to put in effort. You have to study. You have to try and learn. Now, the question is, why would we go against the current? Why would we go upstream? Because there are things that are good for us, and we discover that they are worth it, right? Uh, better health is worth it. Better finances are worth it. Better relationships are worth it. Better relationship with God is worth it. So consequently, we put in the effort. And there's tremendous power in doing it together. In fact, that's what church is. Church is saying, you don't have to paddle upstream by yourself. You don't have to be in one of those one little kayaks that you go by yourself. Church is meant to be a boat where we're all rowing together upstream. And so when you get tired, somebody else can carry you and vice, vice versa. So it's tremendous power in that. It's easier, right? It's easier to have help to going upstream. Now, this is nothing new. This has been going on for centuries. This is something, obviously, that the early church understood and described to us. Now, I, I realize some people don't quite understand what the Bible is, so just take, we can take a minute and talk about that. The Bible is made up of two big parts called the Old and New Testament or Old and New Covenant. It's interesting, we usually focus more on the New Testament, but the Old Testament is about three-quarters of your Bible. And the Old Testament was a covenant or agreement or a contract or a promise between God and His chosen people, uh, nation of Israel, the Jewish nation. <clears throat> the New Testament, Jesus comes along, the New Testament is made up of a covenant, a new covenant between God and all people. Not that you couldn't be connected to God if you weren't Jewish in the Old Testament. So the writings in the New Testament, some of them are letters, a lot of them are letters, are written by either people that hung out with Jesus or people that knew people that hung out with Jesus. And uh, we're going to look at one this morning. Now, Paul, he identified his writings. He said, this is Paul writing to so-and-so. Uh, the letter we're going to look at this morning, the person doesn't identify themselves. 
All we know, they must have been a pretty important person because the letter got copied over and over again and distributed, uh, and we still have it today, 2,000 years later. So we call it Hebrews, and um, we're just going to look at a couple verses there as they talk, or he talks about, early church talks about the importance of community. All right? So, verse uh, 12 in chapter 3. Be careful, pay attention, dear brothers and sisters, make sure. All right, just something to be proactive about. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. So, especially if you're a Jesus follower, you know what's right and wrong. The Bible tells you we know these different things we're supposed to be doing and uh, what's best for us, what's good for us. God tells us all those things. So who would turn away from that? You don't have to put your hand up. Because <laughs> we all do, don't we? We all do. Just because we know doesn't mean we do it. In fact, sometimes we deliberately do what we know we shouldn't do. So we all do that. And if you're not a Jesus follower, this is a big gripe that you, a valid gripe that you have with us. Because we say these things, we teach these things, we preach these things, and we don't do them. Like, uh, forgive one another. And we hold on to grudges. Uh, be benevolent. And we're stingy. And the list is almost endless. All right? So you have a valid gripe. Because we know better than what we do. Don't we? In fact, some of you may be doing that right now. <laughs> doing something you know better than you should be doing. We certainly all have done it before. You may have been doing it this past week. So, what's the solution? Notice this is not a singular command. This is a plural command. And it's a command. And if you're Jesus follower, it's a command. Notice it says brothers and sisters, and it says hearts. All right? So he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to groups of individuals. All right? uh, we would say groups. So it's kind of like this, or not. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it? Network. Maybe get some free grub. Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at shallow small group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term unpack that thought we're sure it's packed away for a really good reason and you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers hey dude thanks for doing my taxes you have great accountability and spiritual growth who wants growth i had a growth removed last week it wasn't pleasant there's no pressure here to remember each other's name what's going on buddy oh hey man how's it going that's good oh dude captain what's going on we know you have a name and that's the important thing Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, that's not really the vibe we're going for. 
We avoid conflict like the plague. Wants cake. <laughs> and there will never ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy, and we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial. But hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? All right, poke a little fun at ourselves. Uh, so what's the author saying? He's saying you all need to see to each other. You need to be up in each other's business, if you will, in a good way. So he's not writing to, to me, Alan, hey, you take care of you. He's writing to us to take care of all of us. So here, use the word trick. Here's the way you need to think about it. <clears throat> the drift begins within. And rows don't know. Sitting here, we can't tell if you're drifting. Can't. In fact, I don't know if it happens to you, but it has happened to us, my wife and I in the past. Not anymore, now the kids are gone, maybe that's the reason. But we would actually have arguments on Sunday morning on the way to church. And we would be steaming when we pulled into the parking lot. But we walked in the building, what did we do? We're great at the church face thing, right? That's why I've told you this before. If you ask me how I'm doing on Sunday morning, I try and answer you honestly. Now, I don't like to say, hey, I'm not doing very well, because your response is, oh, what's the matter? And then I have to explain myself, right? So rather than do that, we often say, hey, I'm fine. So we're good at the church face thing. So Rose don't know if you're drifting or not. It all looks great on Sunday morning. Now, families know. Deb and I know. Because we get calls. We get calls when people are having financial issues. We get calls when they're having relationship issues. We get calls when there's, there's problems. But Rose don't know. So somebody has to have access to you. Does somebody have access to you? Well, the author goes on. He says, you must... You must warn each other. Now, if you're an NIV person, it uses the word encourage here. And that's kind of, when you read that word, you think, oh, I'm a pat on the back, good job. No, 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 no. That's not what this word means. Warn's a good word. Here's some other words to translate that word. Appeal to, exhort, urge strongly. Beg, implore, entreat. So he says, you, you, you must, I, I beg you. What's he begging? To be involved. Be connected. To have access. Have, let somebody have access to you. So when you start to drift, and we all drift, somebody detects the drift. Rows don't know. Circles know. Like you could hide in a circle if you really try, but the best place to know is in a circle. So I can, somebody can to detect your drift, not only detect the drift, but then have permission 
to challenge you, to question you, to ask, hey, brother, you uh, seem to be kind of negative all of a sudden. Or you don't seem to be you know, reading your Bible anymore. You seem to be kind of apathetic about church anymore. You don't really want to be helpful. Uh, you're argumentative. Something's changed. Uh, what's going on? So they have detected it. They have permission to ask you and you don't come back, hey, it's none of your business. Well, thank you. I'm glad you noticed. Da, 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 da. I don't know about you growing up, but wouldn't have your life been a lot better growing up if your parents were in a, a group? See, I didn't, my parents didn't go to church. We didn't go to church when I was a kid. And my parents were weekend alcoholics and they fought a lot. And occasionally my dad would take off. He would just, just leave for days at a time. Um, he didn't like confrontation. And somebody knew my mom. Uh, of course, we became believers in my teens and things changed. But how would your childhood been different? And if your parents were, and I know some of your parents were, you know, that's a great, great blessing for you that you had that in your parents. So, he says, you must warn each other. When? How often? Occasionally? (laughs) The early church understood this really well. You must warn each other every day while it's still today. So this is like a nonstop, ongoing process. All right? So it isn't just (laughs) on group night. If you're in a group, and it's certainly not just... Uh, in worship on Sunday morning. Ongoing, continual process of detecting and asking permission or getting permission to address our drifts. And then he gives us a purpose statement. Okay? Why? (laughs) Why? So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Now, harden is like callous. We talked about this before. When you get calluses, you have no feeling there anymore, right? <clears throat> so, he's saying, deceived by sin, so you, you, you have no more feelings. Uh, feelings toward God, feelings toward another person. And it's noticed, he says, you're deceived by sin. It's interesting. Uh, the Bible talks about sin. We think about sin as something we do. The Bible talks about something like an it. Because it deceives us it's attractive but it also destroys so it deceives us now if you're a Jesus follower I would think you want to avoid that right nod your heads (laughs) you don't want to be deceived by sin and your heart heart hardened toward God so how does this happen it's really fascinating I I think it is anyway We all do this thing called self-talk. I don't know who came up with this, this term, but I think most of us understand it. We talk to ourselves all the time, right? We say all kinds of stuff to ourselves. And if you're having issues, especially relationship issues, that talk becomes negative, doesn't it? Well, he doesn't understand, or she doesn't understand, or, you know, I deserve this, or she's making me do this, or... And a biggie is, I'd be happier if. 
How much of our self-talk is that, right? I'd be happier if now. Let me just tell you, next series we're starting next week is we're going to talk about what makes you happy, all right? So hopefully you can join us. But that's a big part of our self-talk, isn't it? I'd be happier with another person. I'd be happier with a person. Uh, If I wasn't single, I'd be happier if I had a different job. I'd be happier if I made more money. I'd be happier if I went and did this or I spent money on that, even though I can't afford it. So we got all this self-talk. Now, the problem with self-talk is the longer you keep telling yourself that, the more you start believing it. Right? So the first time you said it, eh, I don't know. The next time you say it, and the next time you say it, eventually it becomes belief. Right? So, what's the best defense against the deceitfulness of sin? It's a we, it's a not you. Because that self-talk, you don't, you, you don't stop it. I mean, sometimes you stop it. But as, normally you don't stop it. It gets, goes downhill, it gets worse. So you need accountability. Somebody that, again, has access to you. Somebody that will confront you when, at least when they can, signs of this start, start coming up. A really great accountability situation is where somebody can ask you when things appear good and you're willing to say, hey, I'm starting to think like I'd be happier here or happier there or happier if I did that and catch it sooner rather than later. So let's play a little game. All right? What are you telling yourself these days? What does your self-talk like? I gave you some examples. All, All of us are different. What are you telling yourself? Now, if you're married and your relationship is a little rocky, you're probably telling yourself, you know, if they would just change, right? (laughs) If they would just do or be more what I would want them to be. What's your self-talk? Whatever it is, there are seeds that you're planting, all right? About your job, your relationship, school, work, whatever it is. There are seeds that you're planting. And the more that you plant them or the more they water, the more they grow. As I said, eventually they become beliefs. So here's, what are you telling yourself these days? If you were to tell somebody else, they would think you lost your mind, that you were crazy. See, that's the weird thing about self-talk. It can get really crazy and you don't even think it's crazy. In fact, we've all actually done some of those crazy things, haven't we? Nobody's nodding their head. Am I the only one that said this? <laughs> Don't you wish somebody was in maybe one of your siblings' life when you were growing up that kept them from doing one of the stupid things they did? Or get a little more personal? Don't you wish somebody was in your life that helped you stop doing one of the stupid things you did? See, that's the potential power of community. The drift begins within, so let somebody in. How many regrets? We all have regrets. How many regrets could we have avoided if we let somebody in? 
Now, the author seems to change the subject here, but he really doesn't. <laughs> the next verse, he says this. For if you are faithful to the end, how do you know if you're a true Jesus follower? Well, if you're faithful to the end. You know, people can try Jesus, so to speak. <laughs> but a Jesus follower will keep following, right? Trusting God just as firmly as when you first believed. So you don't talk yourselves <laughs> out of it. And we share in all that belongs to Christ. See, the interesting thing about this drift is you don't just immediately become an atheist or an agnostic. I'm a believer now, now I'm an agnostic. Here's how it happens, right? It's not theological at all. I met this girl and we started hanging out and I think she's pretty cool. And I enjoy spending time with her. And she's not a Jesus follower. And she's got some other, other beliefs. And, and, but I really like spending time with her. And the more time you spend with her, and the more she's talking to you about you know, her perspective on life, the easier it is for you to stop, stop believing what you believe. See, it's not theological at all. <laughs> but that's what happens. So, it doesn't start with belief, but it ends with unbelief. So if you don't intend to abandon the whole thing, belief, following Jesus, pay attention to the little things. And we've all seen this, haven't we? We've seen somebody that really seems to be on fire for God, a Jesus follower, and doing all the right things, saying all the right things, doing all all the right things, and then all of a sudden they're they're not. And we're just scratching our head thinking, what happened? Well, more likely than not, this is exactly what happened. So how do you prevent it? Well, the best way, the easiest way, is to be connected, be in group life. Now, I understand, and we're going to talk about pushback here in a minute. It's a risk. Every relationship's a risk, right? When you put yourself out there, you don't know what you're going to get back, do you? So let's summarize what the author says here. He said, see to one another, get up in each other's business, if you will, on a regular basis. He said daily, so that none of you are tricked or deceived by sin and drift away from the faith. You say it doesn't happen overnight. Drift. That has made such a difference in your life up until now, assuming that it has. And again, we've seen people make bad decisions. We've seen it. As a pastor, I've seen it a lot, unfortunately. We've all seen it, Right? We've seen it in our own lives even. Here's the interesting thing. Someone can see what you can't. If you're married, your spouse is really good at this. Sometimes it gets annoying, right? (laughs) But I'll do something or say something. Often it's the tone I say stuff. I don't always realize what tone I'm using. My wife will say, oh, you know, that wasn't a very good tone or you need to change your tone. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little aggravated when she says that. But yeah, I really want to know, right? I, wanna, I don't want to be like that. I can't see it, but somebody else can see it. And that's the beauty of group. Others can see something that you can't. And sometimes we hide things, quote unquote, from our spouse, right? That we might share with somebody else. So who has access to you? Who has permission to beg you to open up? Beg you, tell you, what's going on? 
beg you to tell you what your self-talk is. And if there's no one, you're in a very dangerous place, spiritually. Jesus following wise. Because we all need seeing to. The way we're wired. So what effect sin has on us. So, talking about group life, small group. Uh, all these blue shirts are group leaders, all right? And we pass out a group card to you. We want all in, like all skate, go go skating. <laughs> we do it once a year as a church. <laughs> it's all in, you know, not just some people, but all in. Now, anyway, I get to the pushback. <laughs> Why not? And there's, you, you, I've heard of all, I've heard all the reasons, but it all boils down to one big reason. It's fear. Fear. It's all kinds of aspects of fear. Fear of putting yourself out there, obviously. Fear of being judged. Fear of not being accepted, etc. But fear about, uh, this is going to take up time. I'd rather be doing something else. Maybe it's going to be a waste of my time. Uh, Fear of how am I going to work this out? Obviously, the fear people won't like me. Fear it's going to be boring. Fear about I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Uh, the f- list of fears is endless. And some of you heard me quote one of my favorite verses out of First John chapter four: "Perfect love casts out fear." And if you're a Jesus follower, God loves you with a perfect love. And I tell people all the time, you can't, I tell my wife this all the time, when we talk about other people, issues they have. You can't let fear ruin your life. You can't. Well, you can, <laughs> but it's not very smart, right? Don't let fear, whatever type of fear it is, rob you from good stuff. All right? We say it this way, good life is preventative. Good life is preventative. And as Americans, we're terrible at preventative stuff. I come across people all the time that don't change their health until they have, we have Leonard, a new guy in our church. He didn't change his eating. He's a single guy. He ate out all the time. He didn't change his eating until he had a heart attack. Why do we do that? Why are we so stupid? Why don't we take preventive measures? Not just with our health, but especially with the most important thing, our relationships, our relationship with other people and with God. So, the praise team comes up and does the last song. We want you to fill out your group card and hand it to somebody with one of these shirts on, okay? And on the back side, you can fill out all kinds of things on there. You can fill out multiple days. You can fill out multiple times, multiple groups. If you're in a group and you want to put your group you're in, put that on there, all right? And if you're a regular attender, if you don't turn one of these in, we're going to come after you. Okay? (laughs) So you can put on there, I refuse to be in a group, but we want a card. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If God tells you not to be put on a group, that's what I want you to write in there. God's told me not to be in a group. Now, it doesn't have to be a group group here. You can be a group someplace else. All right? But that's, I want to see if somebody's got the courage to write that on a card. I'll just be interested to see that. Okay? Last illustration, I'll be finished. You ever been into a, a group sporting event, you know, a high school game, college game, you know, 
professional game and your team did something exciting, maybe scored a winning touchdown in the last seconds and the stadium does what? It just erupts in this ecstatic joy. Now, if you're home by yourself watching that on your TV, is it the same experience? All right. That's the difference between trying to be a Jesus follower by yourself and being involved in group life. All right. Time's up. We need to stop talking. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you know how know us better than we know ourselves. You know how you created us, how you wired us. And you made us for, for connectedness. You made us for group life. You made us for face-to-face. And God, I, I know it's, sometimes in church life we have this feel like there's this judgmental attitude. and uh, We work real hard not to have that around here. But there's an honest fear. And sometimes group life gets messy, and we talked about that last week. We need to walk toward the messes, not be afraid of it. Sometimes it gets confusing. Sometimes maybe it is boring. Sometimes it's hard. Relationships are hard. But it's so worth it. Because we don't want to drift. We want to stay in straight and narrow. We want to follow you, Jesus. If you're not a Jesus follower, we'd encourage you to join one of our groups. Uh, find out more about what it means, what, how we think about it, what it means to us. And uh, obviously at any time you can step across that line and, and accept the gift of salvation and, and a relationship, eternal relationship with God through Jesus. And we're here to help you with that. So God, we thank you again for your wisdom. And we thank you for the privilege we have to be in each other's life. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.